cool album, cool graphics, and uh, ooh, some terrific music from Stereophonic Space Sound Unlimited. Hot Blood Bombers from Regina did hot White Fuzz. They're coming to Vancouver and um, before Halloween in October. I think October 22nd is the date. Okay, I'm going to leave you with one last track from the Reverberators since they're celebrating their CD called El Burro this Saturday night at the Fairview Pub on West Broadway with the Modellos and the Surf Messiahs. This is their vocal number. It's called One Way Train. Another world premiere here on Rumble Tone Radio at GoGo from the Reverberator. See you next Wednesday. Arch Report coming up next. Care for what can be 
Promoting their latest album and the ever-expanding universe, the Biltmore Cabaret and the Georgia Strait present Canadian band The Most Serene Republic with Seattle's Grand Archives. They're playing the Biltmore Cabaret on Saturday, September 26th. Doors at 7, show at 8.30. Tickets are on sale now. CITR podcast update number one. Work has begun on Canada's information highway. That's the state-of-the-art network that we're told will change everything from the way we do business to the way we learn. Without getting too technical, tell me how what you're working on is different from what's available to me right now. So right now, if you want to listen to your favorite CITR program, you need to be listening it to it on your radio live or streaming over the internet live. But with CITR podcasts, you'll be able to download your favorite show and listen to it whenever you want on your computer or on your MP3 player. I'm just thinking about that. I know. It, it's pretty rad. For more information, visit citr.ca slash podcast. Thank you for listening, and please... Be kind to robots. Hey there. Happy Wednesday to all of you out there. I hope you're having a brilliant day, even though it is a little bit cold and wet and, well, feeling a lot more like fall than it has been in the past weeks. My name is Tracy Fuller, and you've tuned in again to the Arts Report right here on CITR 101.9 FM. I have a jam-packed show for you today. Uh, hopefully, we'll be hearing from Ashley Bell, the lead singer from Hey Ocean, who will be calling into the show. And they have a performance, Hey Ocean does, have a performance at the Chan Center tomorrow night. So we're going to chat a little bit about that, perhaps a little bit about Gene Simmons and about the upcoming exciting West Coast Music Awards, which Hey Ocean has been nominated for this year. Also today, I've got a bunch of different reviews from the Vancouver International Fringe Festival, which is still on nowadays at the, well, at various venues around Vancouver, but mostly out there on uh, Granville Island, I'm sure. I, or at least I hope a lot of you have been out there checking out the Fringe, supporting your local and international artists. And I'm going to have an interview with Jem Rolls, along with a couple of other interviews. Brenda Gruno did an interview on the opening night with one of the artistic directors behind the festival, so that should be exciting. Also, I've got I'm going to get Brenda Gruno, our station manager, and Jordi Yao, the editor of Discorder, into the studio at about 5:30 to discuss Shindig, which is CITR's annual Battle of the Bands festival. It kicked off last night at the Railway Club, and we are going to get the lowdown from Jordi and Brenda at about half past. And then I've got a couple of other things, random things that have crossed my path in the last week. Some news, uh, an interview or two, and uh, much, much more. So please stay tuned. But to kick off this show today, I'm going to go right to Brenda Gruno's opening Fringe Festival interview. She did it on um, September 9th. And all of these interviews are available on CITR's website along with the Fringe website. CITR has been offering a daily podcast for the Fringe Festival this year. It's an amazing partnership we've forged with the Fringe Festival and we are happy to do it. So here is Brenda Gruno's opening gala Fringe Festival report on CITR 101.9 FM. Welcome to This Fringy Life, a daily series of podcasts interviewing performers at the Vancouver International Fringe Festival. 
From September 9th through 20th, the podcast will appear daily at VancouverFringe.com, celebrating spontaneous, surprising, and remarkable pieces of theatre. This Fringy Life is produced by CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver, on the web and via podcast. This is Brenda Gruno on CITR and interviewing David Jordan, the executive director of the Vancouver International Fringe Festival. David, this is the 25th anniversary. Congratulations. And every organization has its myths and stories. Is there one in particular over the years that, uh, that stands out in your mind? For me, one of my fringe myths doesn't come from uh, Vancouver. It comes from Montreal, which is where I was living when I first started going to fringe festivals. I went to see this show in the middle of the afternoon, and there were two of us in the audience, and I think it was one of the most beautiful shows I've ever seen in my life. And afterwards, there I was, and the tears in my eye, and I turned and I looked at the guy next to me, and he was just like, eh. <laughs> so for me, that's kind of what fringe is. It's, you know, something for everyone. So I was reading the program and it mentioned drag bingo. Do you know anything about this drag bingo that one time existed? I think they just did bingo in drag, yeah. It was a fundraiser. Sounds pretty good. Yeah. I think you should do it again. Bring it back. Many internationals come to perform the Canadian Fringe Circuit. What's so special about the Fringe in Canada? Uh, it's really unique around the world because we have guiding four guiding principles that everyone adheres to, and one of them is that the shows are unjuried. So you have fringe festivals in like New York City, and they pick the act, and we don't. We pull them out of a, a hat, or we do it on a first-come, first-served. So it gives everyone a really equal chance at performing. So that's the first one. Second one is that we give them 100% of the regular box office revenues, so they can actually make a go at it. So we're quite famous in the world for doing that, and so that's why people come from all around. The other one is that it's accessible to audiences, so we keep the ticket prices low. I said four, but I think it's three. Yeah, we are unique in the world, and a lot of performers from UK um, and especially other Commonwealth countries, uh, Australia, um, last year we had someone from Israel, um, a lot of American performers as well. Awesome. I've definitely seen some amazing international performances at the Fringe. Seeing as uh, there were recent provincial funding cuts, and I saw you this morning at a protest outside the art gallery, can you tell us how that affects the Fringe Festival? Apparently our funding from gaming has been restored, but we are uh, greatly fearful of um, what this government's doing to the arts in British Columbia. Um, they're, they're going to cut arts uh, by 81%, um, which will have, uh, if, if they don't, uh, if they don't reverse those cuts, um, we'll have a permanent devastating effect on the culture of British Columbia. Indeed. So one last question. Do you have any advice for fringers this year? Do you have any other tips like that? Well, so I, I would say start and end at the bar. So you go to the bar and you know, find out what's going on, go see a show, come back to the bar, go see a show, come back to the bar, and everything will be great. Great. Well, thanks so much, David. Uh, it's going to be a great festival. Yeah. Thank you. That was Brenda Gruno reporting live from the opening gala of this year's International Vancouver International Fringe Festival. And I'm glad she brought up um, the recent arts cuts. As listeners will remember, last week we devoted most of the show to uh, coverage of the B.C. government's recent funding cuts of the arts. And I wanted to play another piece this week from that rally that happened at Robson Square last week on Wednesday. Um, But before I get to it, the piece that I'm going to bring to you again is uh, by Judith Marcuse. And the reason why this is important to me today is that 
Amazingly, Judith Marcuse has been awarded the 2009 Jacqueline Lemieux Prize, and this is from the Canadian Council for the Arts. And uh, the prize is valued at about $6,000, and it's awarded annually to the most deserving applicant in the Canada Council grants to dance professionals. And uh, it was a group of her peers of um, of her peers who chose. Um, Judith for this prestigious award um, and uh, she has been an amazing dancer, innovator, uh, just someone who's been a pillar in Vancouver's artistic community for years and years and years. So I wanted to recognize the fact that Judith has received this wonderful award um, and to also give you her words, Judith's words, from last week's arts rally in Robson Square. This is regarding the recent BC government's arts cuts, and this is Judith Marcuse on CITR 101.9 FM. Ladies and gentlemen, we have another pioneer in our midst. Judith Marcuse, choreographer. Yeah, let's hear it for Judith. Judith Marcuse, pioneer, activist, choreographer, and the director of the International Center of Arts for Social Change. Would you please welcome Judith Marcuse. Imagination, creativity, ingenuity, connection with each other, and with the world around us. The ability to share our visions and our revisions, to propose solutions in many forms and in many settings. Dialogue, beauty. What if this were gone? What kind of a world do we want to live in? Do we want a world of data and mechanical calculation? an impoverished place where money and hard facts rule our lives, a place where imagination, risk, magic, celebration, where freedom to challenge power and injustice are ghettoized as luxuries, as frills, as irrelevant. We can't accept a world like this. Now, more than ever, creative ways of being in the world, forging new insight and connections are necessary. Our expression, our cultures, they're part of us. They're inside each of us, essential to what makes us human and able to break out of our dreary and destructive old patterns. I don't want to live in a gray and unbalanced world. Our children should not have to live in that world. And the people who decry art as a frill, if they only thought about it for just a little bit longer, might not want to do so either. Thank you.
That was Judith Marcuse speaking at last week's arts rally in Robson Square against the BC government's arts cuts. And as I mentioned before that clip, Judith has just received the Jacqueline Lemieux Prize from the Canada Council for the Arts. It's a $6,000 prize recognizing Judith's long distinguished career in dancing, choreographing, teaching, directing, and producing dance, theater, opera, television, and film. She is the recipient of two of Canada's major choreographic awards, the John A. Chalmers Award and the Clifford E. Lee Award. She also received an honorary doctorate from Simon Fraser University in 2000. She's the founder and co-director of International Centre of Art and Social Change. And among other things, Judith is just one of the pillars of Vancouver's dance community. It is a pleasure and a, a real honour for us to have an artist of her caliber within our midst, working with so many younger and talented and older and talented artists in Vancouver. So congratulations, Judith, and we hope to see many more of your productions in the future. And we hope many of them will be funded not only by the Canadian Council for the Arts, but also by Vancouver's very own provincial and municipal governments. All right, let's get back to another piece from this this year's Fringe Festival. This is actually a piece that I have done. This weekend, I headed on down to the festival to check out Gem Rolls. Now, for those of you who have never heard of Gem Rolls, he is one of the Fringe Festival's probably best-known performers. He's um, been at the festival for, oh, for six years now. He's a spoken word poet of high regard. And um, his Fringe Festival offering this year is called Leastest flops. Here's my conversation with Gem Rolls on CITR 101.9 FM. This is Tracy Fuller bringing you another CITR podcast from the 2009 Vancouver Fringe Festival. I'm here with Gem Rolls, one of the Fringe Festival's best known performers. Thank you, Gem, for joining me today. Thank you. You're at the festival with a new show entitled Leastest Flops. Can you give me a sense of what the show is about? Well, Leastest Flops is, um, is my self-effacing way of doing a greatest hit show. So I modestly, basically, I've done a greatest hit show, but um, having been knocking around with Canadians for so many years, and my girlfriend's Canadian, so all the self-effacingness has kind of rubbed off, really. So back in Copenhagen in January, um, the idea of a show called Gem Rolls Leastest Flops is a really funny idea. It hasn't really seemed quite so funny ever since, but um, um, well, you know, I've been, I've been touring for quite a while, and in a sense, writing's the tough bit. So I thought I'd go, and I've written a brand new show, 60 Minutes, for four years on the trot, which is quite, no, no performance parts do that kind of thing very much, because you know, it is a performance poetry show. And um, so I just thought I'd, um, A, give myself a year off the writing, and B, go for the um, and just absolutely go for the performative and the variety. Because I've been performing for quite a while, I've got a huge range of stuff. So in a sense, I can showboat a whole bunch of techniques, which you know is almost unique in the way that, that there's so many different techniques in the show. So it's kind of like the the performative challenge rather than the aesthetic challenge that I kind of went for. Because because normally it's a huge aesthetic challenge, you know, and you have to you have to cover all your bases in terms of audience, you know, you basically have to entertain them, be full of ideas, you have to sweeten most of your pills, if, you do, pills, if you're doing politics or something hard, you need to dress it up in a way that's funny, and so on, so it's kind of, yeah, it's a right old sort of mishmash, so there are the odd bit in the show that's kind of new, and it's mainly from my 2003 to 2007 shows. 
Well, that's what I was going to get at. You started fringing in 2003, so this would be your sixth year on the road, and before then you were a spoken word poet in London. What was it that prompted you back in 2003 to get off the stage in London and A, come to Canada, and B, start this nomadic lifestyle? Okay, actually, the journey's been slightly longer than that. I was running poetry cabarets in 90, from that 1994 to 1999 in London, and it was great. I mean, I ran a really, really good show. It was, um, it was weekly for five years. It was very full on. When it was good, which was usually, it was just playing marvellous, frankly. And then, um, then I moved to Scotland, so I was doing the same thing in Scotland. So I was doing the Edinburgh Fringe from 1996. So I went to Scotland and in a sense started slam poetry and started performance poetry as it currently exists there. And that was a huge amount of um, huge amount of fun. But in a sense, it was more successful than what I did in London. Even though the shows I ran in London were probably better. But I've been doing the Edinburgh Fringe from 1996. So and and that was the bit most fun I had all year round. But it's absolutely shattering. So it goes on for a month and it's um, it's unbelievably exhausting. You don't know how exhausting exhausting can be until you've done something like that. So and it was great fun and we did it and we made money and we had a lot and you know in the end I moved there partly because August which is when the Edinburgh fringes was being the most fun of the year so anyway in 2001 I am um, I, I think in 2000 I bumped into a Welsh comedian called Noel James in the street in Islington and he just he told me about the fringe torch I think he'd done a few years before so anyway that sounded like you know, because um, the thing with trying to get on and do shows is that there's all these people say no to you. And the thing about the fringe is nobody can say no to you. You can do whatever the hell you like. And anyway, so there's basically sort of no bullshitters or arseholes or just sort of people with, you know, want people to sort of arse-lick them, really, to get anywhere. And I just don't have to deal with any of that problem on the fringe. So it's, um, the first time I did it was a big revelation. I mean, the first, I've never been for such an epiphany on stage as during the first show in Toronto in 2001. I got halfway through my show. My show was being a bit of a mess, but I realised halfway through that this was really not bad but tomorrow it was going to be massively massively better than I was doing it right now and that I should have been doing this years ago so that's kind of what, what hooked me in to Canada and the tour and then I won CAF the lottery for the whole country as I did this year but I won that in 2003 and that was a big life-changing thing so it meant I got into everything and it was enough to go for it. and also yeah so I basically never made that much money before and it was as much fun as I've ever had in my life it was kind of easy in some senses and in the sense of it wasn't that hard to get audience not like Edinburgh and um, a huge amount of fun and um, no, um, there's no there's no arse licking there's also no backstabbing as well it's really friendly setup. So, so do you find a big difference between the audiences, say, in Canada versus the Edinburgh audiences? Well, kind of. Well, they, I don't know. I started in London. London audiences are definitely the hardest audiences you're going to get. They're harder audiences than any audience I've got here. In a sense, just because in London, you know, everyone's been, there's a sense of cool about things. People are a bit like, well, we might think you're good or we might think you're funny, but we're not necessarily going to let you know that we think so. So, I mean, the first time I ever got out of London to do a show in Bristol, it was like an explosion just because we, we never, you know, we were just so used to fairly dead hard London audiences and you got out of London everyone was a whole lot more positive really so I don't know it, it, you know audiences vary an awful lot I mean because even in Canada you have one good day and you, you have a great day and a down day and some days it, it, it's the easiest job in the world and sometimes it's like hauling a sack of broken bricks up a lumpy hill you know <laughs> for, for an hour and um, but even then that doesn't mean it's not going well as far as the audience is concerned which is sometimes they laugh and sometimes they don't and some rooms make it and some rooms don't so um, yeah there is ultimately a great positivity 
in Canada. And yes, and it's just it's just kind of the fringe thing. It's a marvelous beast. It's really up beast. It's dead cheap. It's cheap mass theatre, really. You know, and um, in a sense, that's what I like about it. I don't care about it's I don't care about the fact it's cheap as long as it's mass. Cheap times mass equals enough for me. Fair enough. So at least a couple of years ago, there was a rumor that you had no worldly possessions. You only had your passport, a debit card, and perhaps a vinyl collection in Edinburgh. Is that still the case? Well, I've known any teller from Andrew Richardson who's got the vinyl collection in Edinburgh, so I've probably got even less than I had <laughs> at that point. Actually. But um, effectively, I've got a rucksack full of stuff, and I've got, I think I've got my worldly goods in about 11 different places. But seeing each time I count, I can only remember about eight of them. I think that means we could probably say goodbye to at least three of those. And I suspect at least one person's moved anyway. So that's probably, um, so really, I, well, I don't own anywhere, and I haven't had a house, I haven't had a home for 40 months, so 4 yeah? And I don't really intend to have one again in a hurry, though I have got a girlfriend, and sooner or later she might want to get a bit domestic. But um, she's all right with traveling around for a bit for at least another year, because she's never really done any traveling. So yes, I'm off to India for the winter. But yes, I'm trying to reinvent the, um, the old tradition of the sort of pastoral nomadic poet just wandering about. But you know, I assume they all drank an awful lot, got paid in wine, and died young, really. So I'm at the age of 47, so I think I'm doing all right. Absolutely. So you mentioned Copenhagen is where you put together uh, Lisa's flops and you're about to go to India. Is Where do you find the time or where is the creative space to write the works that you do? Because that is obviously a very big role in any nomadic or regular poet's life. Well, the writing thing's the key. I mean, but the thing is, I realized a number of years ago that you know, I was, in, it run, I was in Edinburgh running shows, government funded shows, and it was all being lots of fun. But ultimately, the, the thing is, you want to be creating shows rather than administering shows. You know, you either administrate or you create an awful lot of people. Very few people can, can successfully do both, yeah? So I had to stop the administrating in order to create. And then, then it was like, if I'm nailed to this trail across Canada, and I am, and I'm seriously nailed to it, you know, you know it's basically the only, I'm stuck on this railway from Montreal, Montreal to Vancouver, then why not be where the hell you like, really? And, you know, I'd always wanted to go to India, so I went to India the first year. Next year I ended up in Winnipeg, which is not quite as exotic as I might have hoped, but, you know, she is very good looking. <laughs> and um, and last year was Copenhagen and then Southeast Asia. So, um, but in a sense, um, as the, the main thing we're writing is actually the thinking rather than the sitting down with a piece of paper or, or a screen. So there's no, there's, you know, in no sense does travelling stop me from writing. And I find writing quite a hard process and I kind of eke out the bits, really. And, um, and you know, and I spend far too many months of the year editing. So it's like four months writing the damn show and two months throwing bits out of the show that I really like which quite frankly becomes a really frustrating process so um, April and May are really no fun at all because that's, that's the edit stage yeah? so you know I had one day one year every hour of every day for about three weeks I threw another line out of the show that I liked I mean not a line, not a line that I didn't like or I didn't think was good enough but the lines were perfectly good enough so that was um annoying in the extreme but anyway that's part of the gig so well perhaps those lines will amass themselves in a new production sometime in the future well that's quite true actually in fact they did actually amass themselves in um, Jolene Bailey who's done here a couple of times Cup of Joe and um, so there are lots of the lines from last year's show ended up in her show so um, and I just gave her a watch of lines and said get on with it because I realised that she was after the same kind of idea in a sense as I was covering myself 
Okay. Well, my last question goes back to uh, Lisa's flops. Um, I was reading some of the reviews that are online, and uh, one Toronto critic said that um, Gem Rolls has a dynamic delivery with clever twists of language mes that are mesmerizing, but sometimes feel overtly manipulative. So I was wondering yeah, for I you, well. as, as a yeah. solo performer... Now. <laughs> I'm still bitter. I'm still very bitter. I'm doing a blog for CBC, and I'm going to deal with the subject's reviews. <laughs> and and um, I might actually deal with the subject of that one. Yes. Fair enough. I, I guess my question was going to be, what, what do you feel your relationship with the audience is? I can't imagine as a solo performer, it's your goal to manipulate people, but obviously you have to use all your faculties as both a poet and performer to make each show work. Um, I, I'd actually say that is um, the, the, the word manipulative is actually a response to some of the text. Because I do actually turn the audience into God, and then I'm exceedingly nice to Canadians about everything in this wonderful fringe circuit. I suspect she was, she was, she was mistrusting the, uh, the kind of the niceness of the show, because I haven't really actually attempted to be kind of quite so nice and charming in the show um, kind of before. So I think that's more what she was on about rather than, well, of course you're being manipulative. I mean, it's the whole, the whole, the whole damn idea of art, really, isn't it? You know, it's, um, and, you know, inadvertently so, because why, why else are up? Yeah, out there, but you know, the thing with reviews is you can, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of mystery, and sometimes it can. I mean, a good review does actually give is, is like a free eye on your own show, so it can be really quite handy. And um, with that one, I've still been, I found it a bit impenetrable to discover what it means. But anyway, she did finish. Uh, Rolls is a brilliant orator. Three stars. Fuck off. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, I guess Vancouver audiences will have their own chance to head up to the show and, and see what it's like. Jem, thank you so much for joining me today. Okay, thank you. Jem uh, Rolls is playing his Leastest Flops at the Waterfront Theatre until September 19th. Be sure to go and check it out. And that was my interview with Gem Rolls, as you can likely assume. Now, I haven't heard from Ashley Bell from Hey Ocean yet, but we are going to hopefully be having a conversation with her a little later on in the show. So until we get to that, I'm going to play a piece from Aunts and Uncles, who are the band that won last night's shindig. It's their... Uh, their track called Fictional, and it's available on MySpace, so you should check it out. But here is Aunts and Uncles on CITR 101.9 FM. Behind you. 
and that was um, fictional by Anson Uncles, the winners of last night's first shindig. And I'm joined in the station or in the studio right now by um, Jordi Yao, the editor of Discorder. Hi. And by Brenda Gruno, the station manager here at CITR. Hey there. Now, both of these uh, fine, cool cats were out at the Railway Club last night for the this year's first shindig event. We were. Why weren't you there? I, I had um, business. I, uh, I will eight. be there in the future. Thank you. <laughs> um, but you were there, so why don't you tell everyone listening what it was like? Uh, well, shindig, if you haven't been to it, um, is at, so the, there's like 27 bands who will be competing for the next, well, 12 weeks now. Mm-hmm. That, this is the first of 13. Um, and so every Tuesday at the Railway Club, um, three bands will be competing, and one band will advance to the next round. Um, this, we're still in the first round still. Last night was Ants and Uncles, Humans, and Modern, Modern Lakes. Lakes. And... Uh, and uh, in between, like the bands all play in alphabetical. It's just alphabetical order which band plays first, so it's supposed to take bias out that way. Um, and uh, in between, Ben Lai introduces bands and jokes for beer happens in between the second and third band. You missed um, particularly good jokes for beer performance from Luke Meat. Excellent, excellent. I always expect Luke to step up. And just a moment ago, Brenda was saying that perhaps the uh, jokes for beer is one of her favorite. Um, running themes in the uh, shindig. What was your favorite last night? Oh boy. <laughs> um, th- there was a great joke about um, Super Mario Brothers. That was the one I was thinking. It was very good. Yeah. Would you like to tell it? No, you, you tell it. I'll tell, the, I'll tell the, my favorite joke. How about I do the intro and you do the punchline? Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Double team. Go okay. for it. <laughs> so, what are Super... Uh, <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'm not a very good joke teller. Um, what are su- uh, Mario's overalls made of? Denim, denim, denim. <laughs> Anyways, jokes for beer is my favorite part so, of the night. It, the way jokes for beer works is that if you tell the joke and no one shouts out the punchline um, and people aren't horribly offended by it. If you don't get booed. If you don't get booed, essentially, mm-hmm. then you get a beer. Which is especially good this year because the beer prices have gone up at the Railway Club. Or this That's is the true. word on the street. They're, they're like a quarter high. They used to be I could get a beer for just under five bucks, and now mm-hmm. it's just over five bucks. Mm-hmm. Not to say that this is a reason why you shouldn't come out to Shindig because no, the, it's great. the beer prices are oh. still very reasonable. But if you don't want to go up to jokes and you do know a lot of jokes, you can just shout punchlines to jokes. Mm-hmm. And if you shout it, then you get their beer. Nice. Yeah. Oh, I like this. Audience participation. There's a lot of heckling. It's That's the most exciting part. Hmm. Yes. People get angry. Oh, mm. um, but there's also passes available for the whole year. Mm-hmm. New Shindig passes for $45 get you in every week. That is amazing. Considering there's 12 weeks of Shindig performances and the nightly door cost, if, I, if my memory Eight serves dollars. me... Well, $8. Oh, if yeah. you go to six nights... It's worth it to get a pass. And it's the lineups that are going to be heard at each of these Shindigs events this year are amazing. Um, 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 it is a really good year. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to Kidnap Kids, MT40. Um, who else am I looking forward to? Brenda, who are you looking forward to? Um, I don't know. Uh, Jody Glenham's playing. Yeah, That's I got true. an email Jody from Glenham's her as playing. well. 
So yeah, lots of good and eclectic she different was out last bands. Night actually, checking out the competition. Excellent, mm-hmm. excellent, and we hope to, that many of our listeners will head out as well. So, so give me a rundown of what happened last night. Now I've I've sort of. Um, Shattered the the glass or the uh, excitement because I've already announced that aunties yes. and un- aunts and uncles have won. However, um, can you give me, Brenda? I know you were there to hear the first set, even though it did go on a little late. Uh, can you give that's, me a sense of what the? That's not unusual. Yes, but we 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 do we do want to finish Shindig before the last Sky Train. Uh, yes, yeah, that's, that's the aim. It usually does. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So how was it? The first band up was Aunts and Uncles, the winners. Yes. It was good. They they were um, cute. There was a cello. Nice. Cello was nice. A little indie sound. Pretty pretty simple. Quirky little songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, Humans were on after that. They're um, more of a dancey band, kind of like electro poppy stuff with some reggae influences. They were they were also quite good. Modern Likes, I didn't stay too late into their set, but they came all the way out from Mission, apparently. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They were, they were tight. They practiced a lot for this, and they didn't win. Well, well I mean, but it was they put on a good set. Fantastic! Did were Everyone's people getting a winner? Of course. <laughs> I mean, I'm not focused on winners. Um, what I meant was, did people did people actually start breaking it down during the during uh, humans when you said they're a dancier bound band? Yeah, Are people some up on the a little bit? Sweet. Not a lot, but there was some. A little. Yeah. I'm a big fan of dancing at uh, at live music events. I mm-hmm. think that it's. Uh, an appropriate way to show your enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do either of you know who's up next week? I'm going to take that as a question. No. Um, go to the Shindig website. Oh, and what would the Shindig website be, Brenda? Do you know the Shindig.citr.ca? That would be it. So night one is over, and night two, which will happen next week, September 22nd, is. Catamaran, Half Chinese, and No Time. Oh, Half Chinese is good. Nice. Okay. Um, but they and, might not win. And Someone the, else might. I don't know those other bands. <laughs> so. Well, then I think that you and all of us, myself included, should head on down. I never actually pick the winners properly. I'm always like, this band should win. And then they come second, usually. Why is that? I don't know. I have different tastes than Shindig judges. Who are the Shindig j- judges? They're it, everybody. Everywhere. everywhere. That's, that's is it like true. a clap a meter? It's not. <laughs> no. no, it's not. But there's a lot of like. Uh, the the Shindig judges bands. are people who are, are. A lot of them are previous Shindig contestants. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some people from local music media as well. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, people from record labels. So they're all people who have been in the music scene for a long time. So the, the judges are very experienced. And they provide feedback. To the bands too. Excellent. So. I guess on on that last note, um, what do what will the grand prize winner receive this year? I hear that it's uh, quite an exciting a lot package. A lot. I don't want to list it all. It's too much. Uh, they get twenty hours at the Hive, mm-hmm. which is Vancouver's best known indie studios, and uh, tons of coverage and discorder. Yeah. Uh, and fresh breath of mint. They get showcases at uh, North get a, by a Northeast. Big night out with Mint Records. Big Which I assume out. means Randy Iwata takes you out on a date. Really? I think the, the rest of the crew, too, and the idea is that you can ask them all the advice you ever wanted to know of a label. And I think they'll buy you drinks. But yeah, 20 hours of recording, tons of media coverage, showcases at North by Northeast and Canadian Music Week, plus a whole lot of other swag. So it's, it's a really good prizes. Uh, some technical repair from Backline Services. 
whole bunch of stuff. Lovely. Lovely. Well, uh, thank you both for coming in here and give... Okay, thanks. <laughs> um, thanks for coming in here and giving us a, a sense of what happened at last night's shindig. And uh, perhaps I'll invite you back in the future weeks oh, so we, we can chat some more. Oh, you can say the best more. joke, which was a Ben Lai joke. Oh, Ben Lai, oh. the uh, famous... Yeah, the host of Shindig, who usually, doesn't t- who usually doesn't tell jokes very much when he's up there. Okay. But in between, uh, I guess he was just to encourage people to, uh, to get up there. Uh, he said, did you hear um, Patrick Swayze's making a sequel to Ghost? maybe a bit too soon (laughs) maybe just a bit all right thank you both for coming in here and we'll talk to you again soon great thanks thank you problem all right i'm gonna head you off all onto a uh, psa now on ams mini schools and then i'll be back with some more fringe a little bit of sonorienteering from the western front and hopefully ashley bell from hey ocean if she decides to call in this is tracy fuller with the arts report on citr 101.9 fm The UBC AMS Mini School seeks to provide students and the community an opportunity to learn outside the classroom. Our courses are taught by professional instructors and delivered at the best rates around, starting at $45. Check this out. We provide a diverse array of courses, including, but not limited to, pole dancing, photography, guitar, swing dancing, wine tasting, and much, much more. Courses begin in October, February, and May, and typically run for four to six weeks. Check out www.ams.bc.ca slash minischool for registration information. Now's the time for age of humans care for what can be done for yourself. Promoting their latest album in the ever-expanding universe, the Biltmore Cabaret and the Georgia Strait present Canadian band The Most Serene Republic with Seattle's Grand Archives. They're playing the Biltmore Cabaret on Saturday, September 26th. Doors at 7, show at 8.30. Tickets are on sale next. Speakeasy provides information, peer counseling, and crisis support to the UBC community. Speakeasy volunteers are carefully chosen and trained to assist students in dealing with a wide range of issues, including relationship breakups, substance abuse, sexuality, and exam stress. To access our service for information or counseling, drop in to visit our desk on the north side of the sub-concourse. All drop-ins and call-ins are strictly confidential. We also have an online email referral service. If we can't help you, we can refer you to someone who can. What happens when you mix this? With this. You get the slew. 
Kid Koala and Dynamite D with the former rhythm section of Wolf Mother, featuring drums, bass, keys, and the DJs working across a truly excessive six turntables. The set is 70 minutes of raw guitar cuts and heavy beats. We can guarantee that you will never have heard anything quite like this, and also that you are unlikely to again. It's a one-off tour, so when it stops in your town, you'll either be there or you'll have missed it forever. The Salute, September 23rd, with special guest with Adira Omron at the Commodore Ballroom. Brash, loud, and defiantly turned up to 11. The SLU tour is coming to Vancouver. Don't miss it. Welcome back to the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM. And I'm really happy to announce that Ashley Bell is now on the line. I believe she might even be on the road, but um, Ashley is the lead singer and sometimes jazzy flautist from Vancouver's very own Hey Ocean. They are going to be performing live at the Chan Center tomorrow night as part of the new live sessions at the Chan. Um, But right now, Ashley is joining me on the line for a quick chat. Ashley, thank you so much for joining us here on the Arts Report. Hi, no problem. Yeah, thanks for trying me again and again until I answered. <laughs> <laughs> it's no problem at all. First off, I guess, congratulations on your West Coast Music Award nomination. Oh, thank you. Um, what, what does a nomination like this mean to you and, and the other members of the band now that you've, well, you've been really working hard for the last five years, I guess? Um, yeah, I guess almost, well, like four, four, almost four years, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, yeah, it's just an honor. We're We're really excited to be nominated and we're actually going to be performing with Dan Mangan live on the, on the, the night of the show and and he's um, a friend of yours I understand yeah he's a fr- I went to high school with Dan awesome. and um, yeah it's just going to be really fun I think and yeah we're, there's lots of um, great bands nominated in our category and it, yeah it'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> now I have to first I'll say that the, your second album is entitled It's Easier to Be Somebody Else and um, I know that you traveled the country a number of times promoting and uh, getting this this album out there to the to the Canadian public you ended up being on stage with a number of other well-known Canadian artists including Shad, Xavier Rudd, Sarah Harmer. I'm wondering what it's what kind of influence or what kind of interplay do you have with the Canada's other indie artists and what's it like playing with them in different stages or in di- on different stages across the country? Well, uh, we were just actually talking about that. Um, it seems like there's a really cool uh, scene happening in especially Vancouver right now. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's great. We've, we've shared the stage with lots of Lots of our friends' bands that are like really starting to become well recognized in Canada, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just it's just great to see people that you've kind of grown up playing music with, or like just kind of seen starting starting off as a really small band that's just kind of evolved, and it's it's just great sharing the, the stage with, with um, mm-hmm. musicians that you're friends with and that you can learn from and. Yeah, just kind of grow with. Do you end up, like, when you are playing with people who are from different parts of the country, I know you'll be performing alongside Joel Plaskett later on this this fall. I mean, do you end up sharing ideas or jamming at all? Is there any time to do that when you're on the road, or is it Usually not. Unfortunately. Um, it's, really, it's really cool to get to go on the road with a band. Like, we went on a, um, on a Class Canada tour with um, our now good friends, called Spiral Beach last last year mm-hmm. and it was really cool we, we'd never really met them before we'd been fans of theirs for a while and um, yeah it was just really interesting going on the, the road with people and just getting to know to know them and really just 
kind of falling in love with them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, get, you know, well, now we have, like, a great group of friends that we can go to in Toronto and hang out with and just, yeah, I, I think when you're on the road touring someone every day, you know, driving, kind of convoying through around Canada, like, you really get to know them. Right. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we hope to hope to get on tour with some some cool bands in the future, but um, it's it's hard to really find time to to really hang out with people the night of a show. Or, you know, there's so much hectic stuff going on, mm-hmm. especially like I don't know, playing with Xavier Rudd. He was kind of like in a in a tent at the at the festival we played at, and we didn't really. I mean, I, I saw him, <laughs> glorious looking, but <laughs> we didn't really get a chance to like have a good conversation or like you know jam or anything. Right. Well, what about, I mean, you'll be playing at the Chan Centre tomorrow night, and I, that's quite different from some of the nightclubs and pubs and college stages that you've been playing on in the past. What's, what, does it, what does this mean to you, this show that's in quite a, a different venue than what it seems you've been used to? Um, we're just um, getting out at the, the Queen's right now in Nanaimo. We just pulled up right now. Um, it's... it's uh, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really exciting. I'm I'm um, a big fan of shows like that. It's it's a nice change for us, I think, because yeah, we do play in a lot of loud bars, and mm-hmm. we, we were just actually playing last night at um, at Element in Victoria. Right. You may hear a little bit of raspiness in my voice because it was just like jam packed with people, and mm-hmm. it was just really loud. And you just it's nice to yeah, it's nice to have just a. Um, kind of place where you play and you just have people listening and not like drinking beer and yelling at each other it's just like <laughs> right yeah it's although like it's, it's a different kind of energy altogether and it, i love playing shows like that it's just like exciting to have a yeah mm-hmm. a, a little bit more of a mellow listening crowd right so, yeah well uh, the last thing i have to ask about is um gene simmons and his uh interest in signing hey ocean to his label i i oh, yes. I kind of wonder, uh, your recent album was put out by you. You guys have become your own producers, and uh, you've taken a real role in, in sort of being the everything behind your music. What's it like to get a call from Gene Simmons? Yeah, it's really random. <laughs> really, really bizarre. And, uh, yeah, um, it was just kind of a surprise. He's like the last person on the earth, I think, would kind of recognize our music or like you know just I think he's kind of um, I know I just think of him as this like rock god who, mm-hmm. you know and obviously business mastermind um, but yeah it was a total surprise and I mean we're, we're all really flattered to, to have someone like that take interest in us but mm-hmm. um, I don't know if it's like the right fit because he's He's Gene Simmons. <laughs> he lives a pretty crazy life, I think. Right. Like, and then I think he probably has an idea of what he wants our band to be. And you know, we we kind of don't want to stop doing our independent thing because we we you know we get to make our own decisions and and that's really really working for us so far. So we're right. just kind of thinking it stay on that path. Well, I mean, I was talking to a friend about this last night, and it just, it seems like one of those uh, almost cliched now American um, beckons from the South to, that, you know, you're going to somehow make it huge, or or uh, the dream is to leave Canada. But I wonder whether or not that's true anymore, especially with scenes like Montreal's scene and Vancouver's definitely burgeoning scene now. Yeah. Is there such an appeal to, to make it big down South? I think it's it would be really nice to to tour in the states and have you know be able to play 
definitely shows on the you know in a big in a bigger venue mm-hmm. or in sorry bigger venues across across the states and just because it's so concentrated like right. Canada's giant and it's, <laughs> you know it's long long drives between gigs and, definitely um, yeah there's only so many like towns you can play at where you know people are going to come and see you mm-hmm. um, but yeah we have a great time touring across Canada but it would be awesome to tour the states we're doing a little bit of that in um, in late. I guess the beginning of October, mm-hmm. we're going into we're playing in New York for the first time, and going to like Philadelphia and Minneapolis and Chicago and Detroit and stuff. So, um, yeah, exciting. Very exciting. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it'll just be nice to have a yeah to kind of change the scene and obviously playing New York is going to be amazing. I don't care if there's like one person in the show. I'll be like, I'm in New York. Yeah. I'm playing music. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Ashley, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, no worries. Thank you very much for having me on the show. No problem. And uh, so it was kind of a crazy car ride here. We were just, we were just <laughs> having a little debate going on. We were driving from Detroit to Nanaimo and Lots of noisy boys. Well, that's that's the life on the road, I guess. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, best of luck at the Chan tomorrow, and we'll talk to you again soon. Okay, sounds good. Okay. That was Ashley Bell on CITR 101.9. I'm going to take you now to an arts performance I attended last week at uh, the Western Front. It's called Sonorian Tearing, and uh, it was hosted as part of their new... Um, series of events that will be happening all through the fall and if you check out the western front's website you can find out more about it so this is sonorian tearing this is me recording this external wonderland of cartography and music and dance all at once out near the western front i hope you enjoy it I'm walking through Guelph Park and you're listening to Sonorian Tearing. There's a saxophone in the distance. There's a singer and a violinist within range. J.P. Carter is playing a, a strange trumpet. 
So I'm standing in Pulp Fiction, the uh, bookstore on Main Street, with the owner... Chris Brasher. And um, we're in the middle of the sonorienteering cartographic composition by Scott Thompson for mobile musicians, dancers, and audiences. And um, Steve Bagnell just exited the store. So can I ask you, when were you first approached to get involved in the sonorienteering project? Oh, maybe about uh, two weeks prior to the event. Uh, my good friend uh, Ben Wilson, who's a musician whose judgment I trust implicitly, dragged Mr. Thompson by and asked if we would uh, agree to be a venue. And I said, of course, as uh, we usually do to community arts events. For listeners who won't have any idea what's going on here tonight, what do you expect to see over the next hour in and out of Pulp Fiction? Uh, Dancers, singers, neighborhood hangers-on, some with dogs, uh, music school students from UBC, and uh, the composer himself who seems to be uh, tagging around behind the event keeping tabs. Events like this come into Pulp Fiction often, or you try and support the local artist scene here? Uh, we, um, anything that the, uh, generally when, um, uh, you know, if uh, the Vivo Art Center or the Western Front asks to use the front window or to use, you know, some portion of the bookstore for an art-related event, uh, 99 times out of 100, we say sure. Mm-hmm. We're part of a community here, and we'd like to do what we can to support it. Absolutely. And in wake of the recent cuts and the rally yesterday, etc., do you feel that it's important for the community, not only around the main and Broadway area, but the community of artists in Vancouver in general, that they pull together and support each other? Um, I'm a big believer in art being something that a community puts together for itself without uh, help from or intervention by government. Uh, in general, I tend to feel that uh, government getting involved in any kind of aesthetic decision-making is a bad idea. So I'm a big fan of DIY, and I'm uh, and I'm a big fan of local businesses showing support for the local art community. And I and there's lots of art coming out of the Western Front. Um, hmm. Excuse me, because I'm I'm going to have to go sell books again. Go ahead. was sonorienteering on CITR 101.9 FM. That This is the end of the Arts Report this week, so tune in again next week. I'm leaving you with Julie from Audio Text. And an apology to Ashley Ball from uh, Hey Ocean that I've told
totally mispronounced her last name. So Ashley Ball and Hey Ocean will be performing tomorrow night at the Chan Center. You should check it out. And if you're going out, if you're not going there, check out Ra Ra from Regina with Red Cedar and Yukon Blonde at the Wise Hall. Doors are at eight. All right, that's it for me from the Arts Report. Have a great weekend. Now's the time for age of humans care for what can be done for yourself. Promoting their latest album in the ever-expanding universe, the Biltmore Cabaret and the Georgia Strait present Canadian band The Most Serene Republic with Seattle's Grand Archives. They're playing the Biltmore Cabaret on Saturday, September 26th. Doors at 7, show at 8.30. Tickets are on sale now.